Corinthians chapter 5. Oh yes, the children's got to go to the other room. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And reading verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. I think that ambassador is a lovely and fitting word for a believer. Hutchinson's Encyclopedia says that an ambassador is an officer of the highest rank, rank in the diplomatic service who represents the head of one sovereign state at the court or capital of another. Another dictionary says that the highest ranking diplomatic representative from one country to another, an authorized messenger. The thesaurus says a messenger, an envoy, intermediary, a representative, an ambassador is an emissary or representative from one country and from another king. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, but we are subjects of a heavenly king also. So we have a very important position, believe it or not, on the earth today. We are Christ's representatives. We are His ambassadors. Uh, we have been commissioned by God to do this job. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. In Psalm 22, let me just read this very quickly for you. Psalm 22 and reading verse 27, 28. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over nations. In Psalm 24, verse 7 to 10. Lift up your head, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O you gates. Lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. This kingdom in present, is presently in mystery form. When Jesus spoke of the kingdom in the Gospels, Invariably, he spoke about the kingdom in parables. The parable of the sower, which we preached on last Sunday. There's the parable of the ten virgins, of the wheats and the tares, of the wedding feast, of the talents and more. Matthew is the gospel of the king. And in Matthew 13, there's seven or eight parables all relating to the kingdom of God. And so, at this present moment... It is in mystery form. It is within us now, the Bible says. Luke 17, 
Verse 20 and 21. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. So this present time, the kingdom of God is within us. It's not a physical thing that's out there somewhere. It is a spiritual thing within us. It is not an outward religion, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, 17. You and I are ambassadors of a kingdom that knows no end. That is invisibly working on earth through the church of Jesus Christ. Peter got a glimpse of this on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember when Jesus suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared with the Lord Jesus and the Bible says that his face was shining like the sun and his garments was like the light. And just for that brief moment, it was as if the curtain was taken away and suddenly that invisible kingdom became visible for that moment. No wonder Peter wanted to stay there and park there and build three tabernacles and have a visit in that place. That would be some place to visit. That's what he was thinking. I want to be here. Paul got more than a glimpse of it. Paul said he was caught up into the third heaven. He saw things that was unlawful for him to utter. You think of all the things that John saw in the Revelation. What in the world did Paul see that he couldn't even tell us? That he was not permitted to tell another human being. So he got more than a glimpse of this fantastic kingdom that we're representatives of. John on the Isle of Patmos got that glimpse too when he had the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ezekiel, Daniel, and Isaiah, the prophets, they too get glimpses. You think of Jacob, and he saw that ladder into heaven, and the angels ascending and descending on that ladder, and just for that moment he was able to see behind the veil. If God was to suddenly open the curtain of our eyes at this moment, we would be shocked because of this invisible kingdom that is all around us. And in a very practical sense, the woman with the issue of blood, she got a glimpse of this kingdom whenever she was instantly made whole. Remember, she touched the hem of his garment and in a split second, the fountain of her blood dried up and she was totally healed in that moment. Whenever Jesus was on this earth, there's people just get a glimpse. Jairus, when he saw his daughter being raised from the dead. Mary and Martha, when they saw their brother coming out of the tomb with a very grave clothes on him. And suddenly they realized there's something beyond the physical here. There's something that's supernatural. And so this is the kingdom that you and I are representatives of. An ambassador is subject to his king. 
or his president or his queen or his country. He's subject to his king. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. One of the greatest revelations you have as a believer and the sooner you realize it, the better is that from that moment you became a believer, you no longer belong to yourself. You belong to Him and His kingdom. So that means then that every major decision that you make is subject to the King and His kingdom. And sometimes it takes a while for a Christian to realize that that we're no longer our own. Many times that's why unbelievers don't want to become Christians because they realize if I become a Christian, then I'm going to have to follow Christ and I'm not be able to do what I want, what I want to do. But whenever we become Christians, how quick is it that we realize that? That we're no longer our own, that we are bought with a price that we are ambassadors for Christ and he holds first sway in our lives. In James chapter 4. James chapter 4, uh, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Dio Valente. If the Lord wills, God willing, we shall do this or do that. If the Lord wills. And so we, from the moment we are born again of God's Spirit, we belong to Him completely and wholly. And I say again that the major decisions of our life, how they're going to shape our future, we should take that before the Lord and say, Lord, is this what you want? Is this your will? You say, well, God gives us the desires of our heart. Yes, if it's in accordance with his will. So let's find out, Lord, is this what you want? If it is, then we get God's blessing upon it, don't we? Ambassador is subject to his king. An ambassador lives in a country that is not his own. Now, all of us has been on holidays and many of us has been in different parts of the world. 
enjoying different cultures and different climates and different food and all the rest of it. But the reality is, and all of us have said this, after you've been there and after you've enjoyed it, it's nice to get back and get to your own bed, isn't it? Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm making a mistake here. Maybe, maybe you're not like me at all. Or I wish I was home to get my wee cup of tea. Because <laughs> that tea you get abroad is just not the same as the tea you make at home. Well, at least that's what we think anyway. And so, an ambassador lives in a country that is not his own. In Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place which he could which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. You know, whenever I, I talk to people, and, and we have various people in here, especially from the Philippines, and, and when you get to talk to people who live here but they're from a, a different land. I always ask them, what do you miss from home? And invariably, it's the simple things, like the food, or the weather. <laughs> because that's our home. We're just living here, but that's our home. And as long as we are on the earth, in our minds, that's always our home. Whenever I drive down to visit my sister in Ballyclare, that's where I was born and bred, I go down there, and as, as much as I have lived out of that town for umpteen years, when I go there, there's a familiarity about it. There's a feel about it, isn't there? Because that's where you were born and bred. That's where you were reared. You were brought up. There's something about it that's in your psyche. I don't know what it is, but it's there. An ambassador, he lives in a country that is not his own. And this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Isn't that what the song says? And we are just passing through. So let's hold loosely to things because we're not going to be here forever. One day we're going to be gone. And everything we have is going to be left, but we'll be gone. Because it's not our home. Thank God it's not our home. Even though it may be comfortable for us and we may like it, but it's not our home. Ultimately, our home is in the glory. Amen? An ambassador represents his own country. Therefore, it's obvious he must be a citizen of that country. And we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Our birth certificate is stamped Calvary. My birth certificate is stamped Ballyclare. That's my natural birth certificate. But my spiritual birth certificate is stamped Calvary. 
that has put me in a different kingdom? What's on your birth certificate? Calvary. You belong to the kingdom of God. So we qualify as ambassadors to represent the kingdom of God. An ambassador must be a servant of the one who sent him. That means that his own plans are secondary to the king. Whatever those plans may be, they may have to go on hold. They may have to be laid aside completely because the king comes first. His own plans and purposes must be secondary to that of his sovereign. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. We are servants to the king, ambassadors for the king. Jesus was the greatest example of servanthood, wasn't he? the servant leader. And the most poignant and greatest example of his servanthood was that moment in that room when all those disciples were there, when he took off the apron from the back of the door and put it on and took the basin and the towel and knelt down on his two knees to wash the disciples' feet. They had never seen anything like that. One of them should have been washing feet. And Peter was upset. Hmm. You shall not wash my feet, Lord. If I can't wash your feet, you have no part with me. (laughs) What a rebuke. What a servant's heart. Let me tell you something about serving the Lord, folks. No matter what position you hold in the kingdom of God, pastor, minister, bishop, whatever, you're still a servant of God and you serve God's people. You're not a doormat for God's people, but you serve God's people because you're a servant of God. And you never get above your station in the kingdom. The day you do that's the day you're finished. A leader is one who serves. An ambassador represents his country. He must be a citizen of that country. He must be a servant of the one who sent him. And Jesus was a good example. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Jesus for three and a half years was flat out. I'm sure it was all the disciples could do to keep up with him. And there's times in that busyness when he had to steal some moments away by himself to be alone with the Father, whether up the mountain or out in the wilderness or wherever. 
ambassador must know the will and the mind of his master. He must know the aims and the objectives of the king and the kingdom. This is a bit of a bugbear with me, so bear with me. So many Christians are ignorant, completely ignorant of the fundamentals of the gospel. Trevor there has been teaching there over this past number of weeks. He's just finished a whole course on how to open up the scriptures for yourself. And that was successful. There's a number of people joined you in that and get good benefit from that and trust they're still continuing on in that. We need to be able to give a reason of the hope that is within us. And oftentimes as believers we come to church week after week after week after week after week and if somebody stopped us in the street and said to me, what does it mean to be born again? What would you say? Would you know? Could you answer that? We need to know the will and the mind of the king and the kingdom if we're going to be ambassadors. We need to know these things. And we can know them. I'm not talking about becoming a theologian. I'm talking about simple things. And there's so many aids and helps and things to keep us on the right track. We are blessed beyond... In our nation, how many Bible shops are How many Bible bookshops? I mean, every town there's one. So there's no excuse, is there? For us to know. It just takes a wee bit of time just to look at it and think about it and study it. And then it gives you some confidence. He must know how to communicate to people of a foreign land. We're citizens of a heavenly kingdom, but we live in an earthly kingdom. And we have language problems, don't we? Now, in the natural, I think that the British and the Irish, I think, is, we're spoiled, aren't we? We don't even think of learning a language. We expect everywhere we go to people to speak English, don't we? You think of these people that's come to live and work in our country, they all had to learn English. Some of them maybe was taught at school before they left, I don't know. But they all had to learn it. They all had to come here and to work and to communicate. They had to learn. And it's a different, it's not easy. But we just think, well, wherever we go, people speak English. Until you go to France and then they resent that, don't they? They say they won't even answer if you speak English. You have to try French. But here's the thing, spiritually speaking. The difference is, We know the language of the world because we lived in it for years. That was our language, isn't it? But they don't know our language because they've never lived in our world. So there's a language problem here, isn't there? We need to communicate to them a message. And that's why sometimes I look at it as if you have two heads. So if we're going to communicate the message, then we've got to pray 
They've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help them to hear and to see, but then we've got to present it in a way that they can see and hear. Like, going back to that, I said a moment ago, somebody says, what does it mean to be born again? I mean, that's just, to many people, their head just can't get around it. What does it mean, born again? Well, I'm saved, but what does that mean? See, in Northern Ireland, we all know what that means. But if you go somewhere else and say that, they might know what that means. So what are you going to tell them? How are you going to communicate that without taking away from the message? I think it's a wonderful term, by the way. Biblical term. It's a great term, being born again. But to those who don't know what that is, how are you going to communicate that in a way that the Holy Spirit can take and open up their eyes? We have to communicate to people of a foreign land. An ambassador is a man or a woman on a mission. They've got a mission. They're sent there to do a job for king and country. What is our mission? 2 Corinthians 5 Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And then it follows on, now then we are ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. So we have this mission that we are ambassadors to reconcile men and women to God. What a mission that is to reconcile men and women to God through Jesus Christ. What a calling that is. What a privilege. What a responsibility. I'm trying to get it into our heads this morning that Christianity is more than just coming to church. That out there in the world we are representatives of Christ. The only Christ they're going to see out there is us. Somebody says they don't read the Bible, they read us. Bit of a cliche, but it's true, isn't it? So we're trying to introduce them to the kingdom of God. Years and years ago, it's not this like this now, but it's all done electronically, but years and years ago, if you had to want to go to the United States, you had to go to the consulate in Belfast, you had to have an interview, you had to talk to them, and then you had to go away, and they scratch their head to see if they're going to let you into America, and then you got your visa. Today it's all done electronically. You don't have to go anywhere and sit at your computer and do it. If I remember years and years ago going to the consulate in Belfast, and when you walked in there, it was like walking into a part of America. 
And especially if you've never been, I remember the first time, I'd never been to America before. I remember the first time I had to go and get this visa. And I walked into the consulate, and as you walk in, on the walls, there was big, big, big photographs of the Rocky Mountains, of California, of New York City. And suddenly, and everybody spoke American, and you could smell the coffee. You'd expect them to come out with the donuts and coffee. Sorry, Tessa. <laughs> and for that moment or two you were in there, you were in a little bit of America. And all those photographs put you in the notion for going to America, especially the first time, never been. You'd only seen it in TV and were excited. And when you went in there, they were introducing you to America, to what it would be like. And it was exciting. And in a sense, that's what we're to be like with unbelievers. We're to introduce them to the kingdom of God and to Christ the King. And make them wonder about it and curious about it. And make them think about it. That they want to go. They want to be there. So we have a mission. We have a message. Did you notice verse 19? It says, the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. We have a message. There's things that we can say, that we can speak, that we can witness. Ecclesiastes 8 and 2, where the word of a king is, there is power. So we're not just saying idle words or empty words. Whatever we share about this kingdom and this king, there's power in it. There's something happens. When you take the words of this Bible and you share them with somebody, and the Holy Spirit gets behind those words from His Word, something supernatural happens. We can't explain it. Conviction takes place. The light comes on. And the Holy Spirit begins His work. The Word of Reconciliation. Philippians 2.16, holding forth the Word of Life. John 17 and 8, Jesus praying says, For I have given to them, his disciples, I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. Here's the words, and we have received them. So we have something to give out, haven't we? We've taken in, we have something to give out. How many times have you have shared with somebody and suddenly a scripture comes to you seemingly from nowhere, but it's not from nowhere because it was in your heart. You had read it so many times and suddenly it comes out. And often it's just the right word at the right time. And the Holy Spirit takes that and he uses that. John 6, 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So these are not ordinary words. This is the word of God that the Holy Spirit takes from our mouth and he plants it 
like a seed in the heart. And we're introducing them to the kingdom of God. An ambassador has a motivation to do what he does. He loves his king and he loves his country. He's motivated. Love of Christ compels us. We read that scripture a moment ago. 2 Corinthians 5.9, Paul says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether absent or present, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. That's their motivation, to please the Lord, to be good ambassadors, to be good representatives. Listen, the reality is, you and I are representing the kingdom one way or another every day. People's going to see the kingdom in us one way or another. What are we showing them? What, how are we representing the king? Their impressions about the king and the kingdom will come from us in the workplace, in the schoolroom, at home, amongst their neighbors. What does their neighbors think about us? Whenever they look at us, is there something about Christ about us in the kingdom of God? Is that what they think? And they say, see that lot next door. Bunch of hypocrites, that lot. Well, we know people sometimes say that anyway just because they're nasty, but we don't want to give them any reason for that. We want to be good representatives. Well, they're absent or present to be well-pleasing to the Lord. All right, just a few more minutes. An ambassador has certain delegated powers. See, when an ambassador goes into that nation, into that embassy, he has certain delegated powers. Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power. Dunamis. The Amplified says ability, efficiency, and might. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So there's certain powers that come with being an ambassador for Christ. He hasn't left us powerless. He's given us powers to be his representative. Luke 10, 17 to 20. Then the disciples returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority. And that word is exousia. That word is right. Dynamis is might. This is right. I give you the right, the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And that's dunamis there. Because he's got some powers too. But we've got the right so we can trump his powers because we've got the right. No matter how much might he might have, we've got the right over him. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, he said, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So in other words, don't get carried away with your powers and your might. Think about the right that I've given you because your names are written in heaven. That's the most important thing.
An ambassador has resources made available to him. In other words, he has the full backing of his country. His kingdom backs him when he goes to that foreign land. Whom God sends, he supplies. Whom God enlists, he empowers. Whom God places, he graces. If God calls us to do something, if it's a genuine call of God and we're genuine about doing it, God will find a way for us to do it. He'll supply the need. The provisions will come. He'll make a way where it seems to be no way. Now we'll be tested along the way. Our faith will be tested for sure, but if it's God's call and we're genuinely doing God's call, then God will meet the need. He'll find a way. With commissions come provisions. Has God called you? Has He commissioned you? He'll give you the provisions. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, even so send I you. All powers given unto me in heaven and earth, go you therefore. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. <laughs> Let's close with this. An ambassador has diplomatic immunity within his embassy. I know that in the political world that we live in, oftentimes that's terribly abused. But it's international law. So there's a safe place for the ambassador. If there's all kinds of political and military turmoil within that nation and things really heat up, he may not be able to roam the streets or hold those meetings with dignitaries that he had been doing in the city, but there's one place in that city, that embassy, that he's safe in. Safe place. And God has got safe places for us. What does it tell us in the Psalms? Psalm 91. We know it well, don't we? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place is a safe place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. 
You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Behold, you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, lest they shall, uh, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. We have a safe place place of refuge when the storms come and the enemy comes and things in our life is just going completely mad around us there's a safe place for us there's a place of peace there's a place of rest a place of safety and that ambassador can go into his embassy he can close the doors and he can sit there until the storm is over. He's still in contact with his own country, with his own king. There's still communication going on, but he's in a safe place. And if his embassy is attacked, guess what? His nation will come and they'll rescue him. Just remember Vietnam all those years ago? And how the North Vietnamese were going to destroy was the American embassy. And how the helicopters came in at the last moment. That's how bad things were. We began to rescue people. So there's a safe place for us. We've got the backing of the king and the country. You are an ambassador for Christ. When you walk out of that door, down that gate, into that work-a-day world tomorrow, in that office, in that school, in that factory floor, in that business you're running, you are an ambassador for Christ. So we live as an ambassador, and we show forth Christ in our life. We show forth His nature, His character, his will, his purposes by how we live out our lives every day. Amen? Let's pray.